Why Won't You Date Me, a podcast where me and Nicole Byer used to try to figure out why I was still single, but I've done the podcast for so long and I haven't got any answers. So now I'm just trying to figure out what is love and why I don't have it. Okay, my guest today is an Emmy and Tony Award winning actor, writer, and comedian that you know from movies like Moulin Rouge, Encanto, Ice Age, the original Super Mario Brothers movie, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now he stars in Leguizamo Does America, a six part docuseries exploring Latin history on MSNBC. Ooh, I'm so excited to have John Leguizamo! <laughs> what's up, what's up, what's up? How you doing, Nicole? I'm good. How are you? This is delightful. Now that I'm talking to you, I feel better. <laughs> I'm doing much better. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I also forgot to say, you're in Tu Wong. Thanks for the memories, Julie Newmar, which is one of my favorite movies. I do. I love that flick. Do you know that a lot, lot of teenagers, so good. trans teenagers, LGBTQ teenagers come up to me and they go, thank you for the movie. It gave me the courage to come out to my parents and it made me feel, you know, beautiful about myself. Oh, that's so sweet. But also, that's the power of you, John. Oh, is it now? It is. <laughs> um, okay, I have a question. Oh, ask. Are you married? Are you dating? Or are you like, mm, don't want to say? Um, I'm married. Oh, for how long? Oh, my God. We've been married for 20, 20 years. That's a long time. What is the secret In Hollywood to like- years? In Hollywood years, that's 100. <laughs> It really is like a hundred thousand years in Hollywood time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the secret to like a long, luscious, delicious marriage? Well, there's a lot of secrets. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot of it because you know you you got it be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You gotta enjoy fighting a little bit because <laughs> it's gonna you're gonna fight, and if you enjoy that. And you're gonna enjoy a lot of things, um, and and you and you gotta be best friends with with your partner, your wife, your husband. You gotta be best friends because, you know, love is love, but you need you need the the friendship part. Otherwise, it, it doesn't last. I think the friendship is everything. I think so too, because you have to like like your partner. I have so many friends who I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you like each other. Maybe you fuck good, but like, I don't think <laughs> fundamentally. You like each other, like yeah. you want to go to a picnic or anything. You're like, uh-uh. right, right, and that's not enough. It's not enough because you gotta, you gotta be able to hang and be together and go on trips. And we make sure mm-hmm. we do all that stuff. We make sure we go everywhere, do things together. Because if you don't spend time together, you just, you know, naturally grow apart. I mean, that's the secret of growing apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't do shit together. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of great <laughs> secrets for breaking up <laughs> and ruining your relationship. I think we could, be, yeah, we could, we got secrets for that too. How did you guys meet? Well, we met on a movie, Carlito's Way, back in the day. Uh, my wife was uh, working in costumes. I was Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And uh, she asked to be my personal uh, um, dresser. And uh, <laughs> we met at the corner of 42nd <laughs> and 9th Avenue where near near where um, I lived and where the uh, costumer we were going to do the costume fitting, and then she showed up, and uh, it it was magic. It was electric. Oh, that's so nice. And it's one of those stories that, like, I will never be able to recreate. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you meet, and then you love each other, and then it's magic. Well, it wasn't love. Know. It wasn't love. I mean, you don't fall, you don't meet you don't look at somebody and go, "That's love." Although she says, my wife says she knew when when she met me that first day that 
we were going to be together forever. I, I, I mean, I didn't feel that. I felt like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, who is she? I got to know her. I got to, I got, I got to be with her. You know, I, I felt those things. And then pretty soon when we started spending time together, I was like, wow, this is the most incredible person I've ever been with. I never felt like this before. I never felt so, you know, safe and whole and cool and, you know, just a lot of things. John, that is so sweet. I love that so much. Okay, so like, when did you know you were in love? And like, when did you say I love you? Oh, she says, my, what, we, see, we, we, we argue about this. This is a part of the argument that I told you about. <laughs> but she says that she was the first one to say I love you. And I thought I mm-hmm. was the first one to say I love you. And when I said, I, I, what I thought, my version is, I said, I love you. And she goes, thank you. And I went, <laughs> oh, okay, you're welcome. And I was like, wait a minute. And she said, thank you for a long, long time till she finally, but she says it's the opposite. She said, she said it to me in a parking lot somewhere and I didn't respond that I acted like I didn't hear it. Maybe, maybe that's true because I don't remember that. So maybe I didn't hear it. <laughs> that would be funny if you like, if like a, uh... You said it to her first. She didn't answer. And then she started saying, and then you started saying, thank you. As like, it's just very funny. And it's like, somebody didn't say it. So I'm just going to say thank you from now on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Every time you hear somebody say, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Your kindness overwhelms me. <laughs> so wait, 20 years. So you've never been on like apps or anything. God bless. Yeah, no, I never did. I never. Uh, yeah, right. I was taken out of the app situation. But a lot of my friends do the apps and they tell me what are the best ones for the crazy day. Yeah, it's pretty wild, the app situation. Yeah, I hate it. I've been on them since they <laughs> since they started and I still haven't found anyone. Okay, John, what advice would you have for someone who is single and looking and just not having a good time? Wow, what would I tell? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you got to hang out. I mean, isn't that the that's the old school method. That's that's. Back, that's the um, analog method <laughs> where where you went to bars, restaurants, mm-hmm. many parties. You you just made yourself present and available everywhere because that uh, maximizes your opportunities. <sighs> so you had to like go to bars, yeah. you had to go to clubs, you had to just be everywhere and 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 keep uh, you know meeting and and, <laughs> and dating until the right person comes along, or you know you know and then until you find the right person, it's a lot of fun too. God, but that cuts into my couch time. <laughs> I love being at home. No, you can't. You can't do both. You can't. You I can't know. look for love and be at home <laughs> watching. You know, watching whatever you're watching. I know. I gotta get out there. You gotta go out there. So, what's a good thing to say to someone? Say, say. Okay, I see somebody. I think they're cute. Like, how should I hit on them? By not. Obviously, hitting on them. Obviously, that that, that oh. was like the old old guys. You know, uh, you know. I used to hear my friends. God, you know, you know, God, your hair is beautiful. God, you're beautiful. You know, you, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. I can't be so obvious anymore. Or your you, or your hair smells great. You know, remember the perfume, <laughs> the perfume lines, and the like. You, you, those aren't allowed anymore. So you gotta. I think you gotta talk about other things. I think you gotta just strike up a conversation, like whether depending where you are, where you're at. You know, if, you, if you're at a at a club, isn't that song banging? Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Talk about other things and just strike up conversation. Just keep that sh- that uh, conversation going. Honestly, I don't think anyone's ever given me that advice. I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, you know, comment on their hair, or whatever." Da da da. But like a conversation where it's just like about nothing, because then they're just like, "Is she hitting on me?" 
Right. I think so. I think she's into me. Ah, so you're saying trick them. No, no, it's not trick. (laughs) It's not about tricking. It's just don't be, you can't be obvious. But if you're talking Mm -hmm. to somebody and trying to make a conversation, I mean, it's obvious. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It says it's it, without being so you know corny or 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 uh, or uh, a dog or you know. Hmm. All right. I think I could get into that. Uh, when did you propose to your wife? Do you remember your proposal? Um. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I'm gonna make it up. Like I'm gonna act like I do. Um, uh. Yeah. I can't remember exactly how it happened. I wish I did. I know. I know. I spent a lot of time getting her the ring and all that. And I made sure I got her some, it was a beautiful antique ring from the early 1900s. And it was simple and oh, like pretty, nice. li- pretty little diamonds and, but nothing in, in, in platinum, something, something like uh, almost Victorian. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was. But we had kids already. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, so we had uh, two kids and, and it, my, I think my, my oldest kid, my daughter was uh, three years old by then. And my son was one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I felt like I had to make an honest woman out of her, <laughs> you know, be good for the kids. And, 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 mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, and it, and it felt like it was the right thing. You know, I, I just, I had been divorced right when I met my wife. So I, mm-hmm. I, this, this is my second marriage. Ooh, I want a second marriage. I want my first one too. I just want to collect gentlemen. And I think that's a fun thing. Um, are you do it, from Nicole, New York? Do it, do it. Yeah, I'm from New York. <laughs> I am I'm from Jackson Heights and Bridge as my wife calls me Bridge and Tunnel. <laughs> Wait, Jackson Heights is Queens? Queens, Queens, yeah. Oh, Queens okay. in the house. <laughs> Growing up in Queens, was it like easy to date, hard to date? Were you like the man in high school? <laughs> that smells telling me. I did yes. all right. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I was out on the street all the time. I was in the street. I was at all the dance, all the house parties. I, mm-hmm. I was I was always <laughs> everywhere. And so, yeah, I, I had a lot of opportunities and uh, I dated a lot. Yeah, I, I started young. You know, I started when I was like, I guess, 12. 12? Yeah, because you used to have slam books. I don't know. If it was, uh, it, when oh, you wrote... yeah, yeah, yeah. We had slam books too. You like write shit about your friends and right, right. Life. And you go, you know, so I like I like her, what, mm-hmm. you know, number, number five. Can we meet in the back classroom? Can we meet? <laughs> can you get a hall pass and I'll meet you outside? Yeah, we used to do all that until you know we started making out and all that and and other uh, other extracurriculars. I love it. How scandalous! I didn't know guys had slam books. I thought that was like exclusively a, like a, a preteen. No, no, no. It was, it was for the whole class. That's oh, how you. That's, that, that's how I you. See. That's how you linked up with the girls. Honestly, the girls were started. Yeah, very, very smart. And a very organized system, and like good, you know, you know, <laughs> the ghetto has a lot of uh, great things. <laughs> well, well, you got to be organized because you don't got anything else. I mean, what else you got, dude? <laughs> At least be organized. What got? <laughs> I think that's. I think you're honestly correct. When people have very little, they figure out a way to do shit and get shit done. And honestly, slam buck. I think it's a good way to get shit done. Oh yeah, you get done for real. How did you how did you get into acting? Well, you know, I was I was a problem child, kind of uh, always in trouble. And uh you know, my my household was kind of a like there was a lot of a lot, lot of uh, domestic violence in my household and my parents were immigrants and they had so much pressure and PTSD from mm-hmm. um you know, 
coming to a, a whole new country without any support group and, and, and all the pressure, all that. So I live for humor and comedy. Comedy was my everything. It was like, it kept me sane. It kept me from getting beat up on the streets. Um, and, and, and so I started doing a lot of, you know, I would make fun of people. I would do voices, characters. Mm-hmm. I did everything. I did everything and <laughs> everywhere. And, uh, and so I, I became very popular and, and, and that flipped my whole world. But then I started becoming disruptive in the class because I, I loved the comedy too much more mm-hmm. than the lessons. And school was my, my, my like theater it was like my captive audience. So I was, I was mm-hmm. looking forward to every day of school because <laughs> now I had a big crowd and the teachers uh, didn't dig that. So uh, one, my math teacher, Mrs. Zufa, said finally, you know, Mr. Squeeze Mo, this was, and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, they can make something out of you, Mr. Squeeze Mo. And then. <laughs> You know, you, why don't you use your comedy for uh, better purposes than disrupting the class? Why don't you take an acting class or become a comedian? And so um, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the thing. And and so I, it, it finally struck me and I was like, wow, maybe there is a thing. So back in those days, I went into Yellow Pages and uh, that's like Google today. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I found this acting school because it said Sylvia Lee Showcase Theater. And I said, Showcase. Wow, that's mm. for me. I I deserve a showcase. So I showed up, and this little old lady in her tiny little apartment at Fifty Seventh Street and Tenth Tenth Avenue. As I used to talk, Tenth Avenue, and um, I went in there, and um, and I started taking acting class. She said my accent was abominable. She says, "Can't <laughs> oh can't God. understand the word you're saying. Your accent is thick." <laughs> and I did. I, I mean, I used to talk like that, like this. You know, that's how I talk. Like mm-hmm. I was like very kind of street hoodie kind of. Thing. So I was like, you know, that's how I talk like that. But now you can hear my. Now I hear a true blue thespian. Uh, there's a very well rounded tones in my voice. I'm very, I'm very, very articulate. I like that a teacher was the one who was like, I see your talent, do something with it. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of times teachers are like focused on like the academics of it all or like shut up and be quiet. But it was just, it's nice to hear that someone was like, oh no. You you are meant to do this, so I think you should. Like I th- I feel like more teachers should be more encouraging. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, teachers are such an important part of a, a kid's life. They're with you, like you know, like ten hours a day, whatever it is mm-hmm. in school. Uh, you know, teachers just need to get paid more. You know, that's they, they found it's a secret weapon to making yeah. great schools and 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 smart kids is put money into public schools. Put more mm-hmm. money, you get you get more bang for your buck. Yeah. So, okay, speaking of school, you went to Tisch. Eventually, I went to Tisch because I, I, I was failing out of high school. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, when I realized I had to apply for college because I didn't want to go to college, I just wanted to act. Mm-hmm. But I was a Latin, a Latin guy, so it was like I was, had no opportunities. But my parents were like, you have to go to school. You can't <laughs> live in this house until you go to college. <laughs> so uh, I was like, all right, all right, I'll try. So uh when I started applying, no one would accept me because I had terrible grades, uh-huh. except one school, CW Post, and they took me. I guess it's the lowest rated, was the lowest graded rated college at the time in the Barron's book, <laughs> which is fine with me. But I loved uh-huh. it. I loved it there, and I and I was I I I really changed my whole life there because uh, these teachers were passionate. It was a boutique college. Mm-hmm. They really got turned on by their, what they were teaching, and I got turned on. 
And then I, I, I was like, let me, I got so turned on. I was like, let me go to a better school. So I, so I transferred <laughs> like, 10 by you. education thing. I really like this. This is hot. Ooh, let me do it. Let me That's do it. Let so me do funny. it somewhere else. <laughs> NYU. So I went to NYU, Tisch School of the Arts. Yeah. And then how, what was Tisch like? So were you the only Latin student in like your class or like, was there other ones? It was just you. Mm-hmm. I was always the only Latin person in my acting mm-hmm. classes at CW Post at NYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I it was wild because, I mean, by the time I got to NYU, I mean, I was very um, idealistic and believed in meritocracy and that, you know, you worked hard and, and, and you got A's and, 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 and talent would win out. But I started soon, I started to realize that America doesn't <laughs> really work like that. Because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm in a class with these kids, you know, um, and you know, some of them are famous, uh, Andrew McCarthy and DB Sweeney, and they're going mm-hmm. to like five, aud- I hear them talking about going to five auditions a day, every day. And I'm like going to one audition every five months and, uh, and for a drug dealer, a murderer, a killer, or, or some kind of subservient job kind of at part. And then, and then when I would look at the casting breakdown, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you're aware, a casting breakdown is like what roles are available. Mm-hmm that are you know what movies are the casting and it was it was like jim crow it was like white actor white doctor white uh romantic lead white white and then you know eventually be like a latin drug dealer you know and 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 then you could ask i would ask my agent can i just do my monologue for them can i just audition they wouldn't see you they wouldn't even see you because uh, i i was a latin dude and i realized pretty quickly on that wow it's not gonna be uh Easy. it's not a fair yeah it's not gonna be uh-huh. a fair a fair playing field, you know? Yeah. So do you feel like you're successful in spite of and not because of? Like, did you have anyone championing for you or was it like you grinding and grinding and grinding and being like, look at me, this is what I can do. I'm incredible. Well, you know, I I was, luckily I was in acting classes and so that was fair, you know what I mean? Because I got to act and I could see, oh wow, I had, I had talent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so- I was basically, that's where I, I, I kept myself going was in my acting class because I could do the scenes. I could be in all kinds of plays and parts and could kill and rock. And then I knew, so that gave me the self-confidence. I mean, the only problem was that even, regardless if I had great talent, they weren't going to cast you. That was mm-hmm. the problem. So then I pretty soon started uh, going towards performance art spaces and comedy clubs where there, there was, it, was more, it was more fair. You know I mean? It was much more fair, fair playing field. Because it was about laughs, and and you can and you can measure that, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And if you can measure laughs, then you 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 get called back, and then you get moved to an earlier slot, and then you get a better playing slot. So that's how I started working my way up. When you were like playing in clubs and stuff, did you ever run into chuckle fuckers, which is somebody who <laughs> is chasing around comedians trying to fuck them? <laughs> no, really? <laughs> no, because I I I I went there with um. My girlfriend mostly. Oh, okay. Girl, so they were like, like that. "All right, he's taken." Yeah, yeah. Okay. I saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of chuckle fuckers from my girlfriend, though. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like Rodney Dangerfield started hitting her up, and I'm going, "Excuse me, excuse me, I'm right here. Hello, <laughs> spoken for." That's wild. And then he's like, "Come on, can I get some respect?" <laughs> yeah, uh, get, no. is... I can't get none. I can't get none around here. Hey, hey, what's going on here? God, that's so funny. <laughs> 
Um, what do you consider your like big break? What is the thing? So I know you had your television debut in Miami Vice, but right, do you right. think that's the thing that like started everything? Like, what do you consider your big break that you were like, oh, I'm so happy I got this? Well, you know, the Miami Vice was important. I, I guess it was this student film. I did a student film at NYU that won the Spielberg Award and all these awards, and, and mm -hmm. I was the second lead in it. And um, and then that got me an agent because you know it was impossible to get an agent back then. Mm -hmm. And in the short got me an agent, and that got me Miami Vice. Miami was my first check, so I could eat because I was I was dying of hunger. Uh -huh. And I, I, I was I was like I think I weighed one hundred and thirty nine pounds, whatever. I was I was dying of hunger for real. Uh, and uh, and Miami Vice, you know, got me some cash, and that was mm -hmm. that gave me such a boost of confidence. Um, but I think the thing that really changed my life was my first one-man show. When I did Mambo Mouth in 1990, all of a sudden, you know, that changed my life. I mean, I was getting offered TV shows. I was getting offered uh, movies. I was getting offered a lot of things, uh, small, small-time stuff. Uh, I got offered um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but I turned it down because back then it was weird. You were taught from your acting classes that great actors didn't do TV. You did theater and theater film. and movies yeah there's arthur miller one of the greatest playwrights at my show oh that's and, cool and uh and al pacino and john k jr and sam shepherd i mean it was incredible because that's what the new york times in new york the power it had back in the day like if you got a great review for, for, for a theater critic you were made that's so cool that's like I don't know. It's like validation. You put a lot of work into something and then someone sees and they're like, no, no, this is actually good. And you should come see it. And then people listen and they come and then magical things happen. Like, that's just I like hearing when people work hard and then get a reward. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. that that it, But because it doesn't always happen. There's lots of people who I know work really hard and are still struggling. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I was relentless. I was uh, not going to take no for an answer from anybody. <laughs> I was going to keep going no matter what. Somehow, I believed in myself strongly. I'm not sure where I got that self-confidence. I guess it was from my school and my, my neighborhood. I knew from my the validation I got from the last of my friends that I had something. And that kept me going for years and years. And they, my friends from high school still take credit for it. They go, oh, you, we, we made you. That's why you're here. <laughs> because we, we posted you. That's why your ass is over there. Because of us. I love when people are like, I did that. And it's like, did you? I'm the one who did the work. I'm the one who did it. Sure, you said a couple of things. Um, I think the thing I really appreciate you is how vocal you are for the Latin community and representation and whatnot. Because it's still not where it needs to be. And... There's a lot of Latin people in the in the United States. There's also a lot of black people, and that representation's not where it needs to be. It's truly wild. I mean, clearly it's better than it was like when you were starting out, but it's still not where it needs to be. And I don't know how you fix that. I I, I yeah, but the fix is the trickier part. But I think you gotta be vocal. You gotta constantly keep you gotta be a pain in the ass. I mean, you can't stop demanding representation, fair representation. And you gotta come up with different ways to annoy them. And that's what I do. That's what I do. I'm not going to shut up until we have 20% representation in front of the camera, behind the camera, corporate-wise, executive-wise. I'm just not going to shut up because uh, I feel like I've, I've been fighting for this m movement 
and I feel like it's taking on uh, some, it's getting some heat in it and uh, we're getting more organized and we're getting better organized. You know, we're, we got, we were, we're fighting for a Latino museum uh, mm-hmm. in the mall and, and we got through Congress and the Senate and then some Republicans uh, won't let us be on the mall. They want us to be like miles away. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> we're not going to have a museum miles away because then it's like, what's the point? Nobody's going to yeah, go. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> We got to be on the mall, so we're fighting that, you know. So I, I think it's it's taking out this whole movement is getting steam. I got Sol Trujillo, this great millionaire activist. He's getting all the Latin data and and holding corporations to like you said you were going to have increased representation mm-hmm. in your corporate board, but you didn't increase it by any percentage this year. I think that's great. Like somebody has to do it, and I'm glad that you are doing the work because. It is important. It's representation matters. Like I remember coming up and like Queen Latifah on Living Single was very inspirational <laughs> to me. I was like, this woman looks a little bit like me. Whoopi yeah. Goldberg looks like me. And I was like, oh, so like things are possible and I can do shit. Yep. Because that's a, that's a signal. That's a signal that you get. I mean, Plato said it. He said, he said, he who could he who controls the storytelling controls society. And if you're not mm. part of the storytelling how are you going to inspire the millions of Latin and black kids out there? How are they going to see? Because not everybody's strong like us, like you and me, Nicole. They don't have that that mm-hmm. that get up and go and get it no matter what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, some people aren't born with the drive. Real quick, John, we have to take a break. Okay. Okay, I want to get back to love. What does yes. love mean to you? What does love mean to me? Love me to me. Uh, well, a lot of hugging, kissing, uh, <laughs> smooching. Uh, yeah, yeah, cuddling. I, I love all that stuff. That that that's the stuff I love, you know. And then me you know, being too. able to be together, being be able to be together and talk about stupid shit and enjoy the conversation and laugh i mean we laugh a lot my wife and i we crack up crack each other up that i fucking love all i want is to be in a relationship with someone who's like down to clown like if i yes. want to moonwalk in a target like i don't want you to get <laughs> mad at me i want you to like fucking be like hee hee. like i want you to like <laughs> have fun with me like that's i think the basis of like a good relationship is like do you make each other laugh y'all don't even know like, you don't have to be funny people it's just no. do you make each other laugh like do you bring joy out of each other and do you support each other's joy? Mm-hmm. You know I mean, because like when you said moonwalk into somewhere or, <laughs> or jump into a, a water fountain or, or, you know, do crazy things. Yeah. Meet me halfway. Be a little yeah, romantic yeah. with me. Right, right. What do you think is the most romantic thing you and your wife have done? Oh, wow. We've done some romance. I think this past year, because I was away a lot, uh, I felt like I owed her some kind of romantic excursion. So... Uh, we went to Rome and Paris because Paris Ooh. is our favorite spot. And and Rome, I was dying to f- figure out if I liked it or not. And, uh, <laughs> and so we did. And we went and we had a great, amazing time. We had an incredible time. We just, you know, every meal together, walking and taking in sights and laughing. We had a great time. Ugh. I love that. Just going overseas to a beautiful country with the person you love. That sounds delightful. I've never been on like a vacation with a like a boyfriend or anything or a partner. And I think that would be really fun. I think you're going to love it. 
I think right? you do because because you're out of your element. You're both not you know stuck with your your whatever jobs you're doing. You're not re- responding to emails and phone calls. You're disconnected, and mm-hmm. now you get to be you. You get to be the all you. You know. Yeah, John. So how do you balance work and having a relationship? Because you work a lot. So how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, it was tricky when we had kids. I mean, because when we, before we had kids, my wife would travel with me. Mm-hmm. And we would go, so it was easy because she she everywhere I went, she had friends everywhere, and she'd hang out with all kinds of people, and I'd get to hang out with their, their, her friends, and it was a blast. Um, and then when we had kids, it got tricky, especially because um, we were told by by the school principal who was who was right. He said every time you pull the kid out, you're mm-hmm. giving them the message that school doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh damn, mm, she's gonna write. <laughs> I remember those. Those active kids that drop out of school, uh, all kinds of trouble and problems. So I was like, all right, you can't, we can't travel with the kids anymore because we were doing that. I was traveling, they were mm-hmm. traveling, the whole family was traveling with me. And it was great for me, but I, I, I didn't want to wreck my kids. So yeah, so then I had to slide, stop taking as many movies. I had to like be more selective because mm-hmm. I did love to work, but then I was like, I got, I got to be there. I got to be a present dad because you know how Hollywood kids t- turn out because of, <laughs> because of neglect, you know, they just turn out bad. And wrong, and I didn't want that. I really didn't want that. I mean, that makes sense, and I—that is nice that you like recognize. You're like, oh, I need to be more present, so that means working a little bit less. Yep. And yeah, I think that's—I think that's important. I think it's like you can work, but also make time for the things that are important in your life, and which is your family. Yeah, I mean, having kids for me was everything. You know, it was an honor to that that I got these kids, and I I I wanted to really rise the occasion because, you know. My father wasn't the best father in the world, so I I, I had feel like I had to make up for that. Mm-hmm. You have two kids. Two kids, yeah, a daughter and a son. Okay, which one's your favorite? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. You must be. <laughs> um, can I ask when you took to Wang Fu? Was there? Because I, I what was that? That was like ninety 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 four ninety four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. Did you feel any hesitation with playing a drag queen in a movie in 94? No, I didn't. I didn't. I wonder if Wesley and Patrick did, but they didn't act like they did either, which was pretty incredible in back in 94. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I mean, I saw mine as an opportunity. I was like, I'm going to destroy this role. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to crush this motherfucker. This is my opportunity. I'm going to seize this sucker. And, 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 and I did. I mean, I had mm-hmm. this incredible drag queen friend that uh, Larissa Dumont, who like gave me lines, taught me how to talk, do mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I just usurped her personality and, and made it Chichi Rodriguez. I love that. A little Latin boy in a dress. I think it's so funny that like now in 2023, I feel like it would be a big deal that like three straight men or whatever signed up to do a movie where they're playing drag queens, and I I think that's wild. They would you wouldn't you wouldn't be you would you couldn't do that. Now. I don't think you could do that. We shouldn't do that now. I mean, if twenty twenty three, it's not. You should have real uh, yeah real drag, drag queens playing yeah. drag queens. But I will say it was fun to watch the three of you in drag as people that I was like, oh, never would have thought you would be in drag. I don't know. I, I loved it. I thought it was such a fun movie. I, I loved it, too. And pe- obviously, people loved it all around the world. I mean, uh, I mean, because, you know, um, I, I, as I told you, like, I, I didn't realize that I had become an LGBTQ uh, icon 
Chichi Rodriguez as Chichi Rodriguez. And and so that so, so it was impactful in a lot of ways. It's so interesting, you know. Even though yeah. we were three straight guys, I think we did the characters with as much respect as we could, mm-hmm. you know, and gave them dignity. And I think that's what people respond to. We weren't we weren't uh It wasn't mocking, a caricature and you weren't making right. fun of anybody. Nobody Or putting anybody down. Yeah. I feel like that movie's a good example when people are like, kids shouldn't see drag things. I'm like, I don't know. This movie's about drag queens and it's like pretty wholesome. It's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredibly it's three wholesome. drag queens who like clean up a town and it's like nice <laughs> and empower a problems. woman who's being abused. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like just it's a nice, <laughs> a nice story. Um when you did Romeo and Juliet, had you done Shakespeare before? I had wrecked Shakespeare before, but, but I, I had done it incorrectly. <laughs> but but I had done it. I had done up with um, uh, Joe Morton, and um, uh, I had done it uh, at the Public Theater. I had done Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was terrible. You, it was terrible. Well, I was terrible, terrible because I I was method, and I was like trying to put method into Shakespeare and. Mm. I was playing practical tricks on everybody, being really annoying. <laughs> I put itching powder in in their underwear, <laughs> and I got reported to equity and fine. Yeah, I, I was I was not easy to be around. God, that's really funny. Just a mischievous little puck putting itching powder in the underwear. <laughs> I thought God, I was being. So uh, yeah, funny. I thought it was funny. I mean, I do think it's funny. Would I think it's funny if I put on my underwear and I was like, the fuck? I wouldn't yeah. think that was very funny. I'd be like, okay, we got to get rid of this person. <laughs> for real, for real. God, that's so funny. Um, that movie is so well done specifically because I had, I think that movie came out, I was still in school. And 96, I 97? Yeah. I hadn't really been exposed to Shakespeare at that point. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, Oh, it makes sense. And mm-hmm. then I started reading it and it made a little less sense. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, and then someone was like, Shakespeare is meant to be watched. It's not meant to be read. Yeah. So then I started reading it out loud when I would read it. And yeah. that was so helpful. Um, but yeah, Shakespeare is so, it's just pretty. It's pretty to listen to. And then the stories are <laughs> tragic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I great. He had some magic. I mean, he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, but I, I, I agree. I, I'm like you. It took me forever to like, uh, Shakespeare, and I think it was a Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet. I mean, I guess the most accessible for mm-hmm. young people because it's romance yeah. and love till you're dead. You know, basically, they all everybody dies. Uh, <laughs> and they're also the shorter versions. Versions, you know, uh, uh, as Lerman's is is like reduced. You know, it's yes. like short attention span Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean. That's just kind of how I want to see it. One of my favorite adaptations is She's the Man. It's essentially Twelve Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. so funny. And, and Breaking Bad is 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 Macbeth. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Lion King is Hamlet. I mean, yeah. come on. It's, it, they're, they're really important stories to oh, borrow man. and use for yeah, other... Yeah, to borrow, mediums. use, you know, dip in, dip out. Just be like, you know, a little yeah. into Hammy here. Um, what is something that, like you want like what is like an acting goal like what is something you want to do next i i want to do some some broadway like in real mm-hmm. plays not real plays my plays were real too but uh you know with an ensemble <laughs> cast or the cast no, not one man shows yeah yeah, you're not one man shows i want to do a, you know i want to spread the work around what play what is your ultimate play to do mine's who's afraid of virginia wolf and i gotta get oh, to I love be martha that. yeah yeah i want to play martha so bad but oh it's like, i'd love to see you as martha gotta age 20 30 years 
Yeah, yeah. You got to get a little life experience in mm -hmm. you. Um, I, I love uh, Long Day's Journey Tonight. I, okay. I love um, uh, Speed the Plow by David Mamet. Mm -hmm. I like anything by David Mamet. Mamet's great. Yeah, Sam, some Sam Shepard I like to mm -hmm. do. I like the edgier stuff. I'm here for it. I want to see it. From your lips to God's ears. Here okay. we go. We have to take, well, just another break. All righty. We're back. Um, okay, so the advice we gotta get back to love. It's a love podcast. Okay, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on, what are you doing? We're talking so, about <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a very big fan of yours, and I'm oh, thank you. so interested about your career because it's just it spans so many different genres, and like the menu was so good. You were so good in that. And oh, that was thank such, you, like, thank a, you. A nuanced performance, but you were doing so much and so little at the same time. It was great. Anyway. Um, so the advice you gave me is to get out of my house to meet somebody. What other advice do you have? Uh, what other advice? Be friendly. Okay. <laughs> I think I think being friendly is like a like a sexual magnet. I think it's like an aphrodisiac. Hmm. You know, okay. I think it works. I mean, I was always like hyper friendly and to you know, and it is, it, people come to you. <laughs> All right. Just be friendly. These are all super friendly, I, super friendly, like, <laughs> you know, to everyone, because you never know where the magic's going to happen. You're right. I like this advice. Just like go out and be nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. How, how novel. <laughs> how unique. It seems easy enough. OK, I think I can do that. Be nice. Don't hit on people. Go out. Okay, because it takes the pressure off of you too. I mean, if if you're going, I got to score. Mm -hmm. You know, I got, <laughs> I, I got, I got to take some home when I go. It's gonna, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a pressurized situation. You're right. Um, are your kids of dating age? Are they dating right now? Oh yeah, yeah. My kids are dating. Yeah, they're both in love. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my. Do they take your advice? Were they just nice and out there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting because I told my daughter, I said, you know, I was like, uh, I don't know, I guess I was saying the opposite thing that people used to say back in the day. Of like, a man does not complete you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't need a man to to, to make you whole. You know, uh, it, it, was, it was just different advice. You know, I, I, so, and I think my daughter takes it. She, she like, very, very much owns herself and, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't need a man. And then when, you know, a man comes to her life and she's in love, that's, that's it's a whole different thing. I think that's even better advice. You don't need a man. Right, and I right. fundamentally understand that, but I'm like, mm, I just want one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need one. I just want one. <laughs> I just want one real bad, please. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about Legazamo Does America. Oh, all right. So um, I pitched this for six years mm -hmm. and nobody got it uh, until a Latin executive... Cesar Conde, the chair of NBC, and Rashida Jones, the first black executive at NBC. We pitched them. They loved it, greenlit it, and gave us the opportunity. And I go around America, uh, where I, to the cities that I used to go on my Latin comedy tour. We used to call it mm -hmm. the Arroz con Pollo comedy circuit. Uh, what is so, it? I know pollo is chicken. Yeah, rice and chicken. Rice oh, and chicken. Okay. The Rice and Chicken Comedy Circuit, which is 20 <laughs> cities across America, 
that are really big and super huge Latin populations. And so we started with the first six cities and I go looking for Latin excellence and Latin exceptionalism and, uh, you know, uh, writers, uh, painters, um, politicians, activists. And we sit down, we drink, we laugh, we eat delicious Latin food and we dance. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Also, wild that you had to pitch that for six years and it only came to fruition when there was a Latin executive who was like, oh, I see the vision. I get it. Right. I think that's why it's so important that like, I think the only way change will happen is if change happens at the top and the people yep. making decisions look like the people who are pitching them things. Because otherwise it's like, they don't get it. And then they're just they like, no, let's pass. And it's like, yeah, but you're passing on something that might be really incredible. Yeah, I mean, we Latin people and black people win where they are metrics, like in sports, you know, like Latin people, we're, we're killing it in baseball because you mm -hmm. got stats. We're killing it in music. I mean, Latin music is the biggest thing mm -hmm. in the world again <laughs> for the 50th time on, in this hundred years. <laughs> but it's because you have scans and you can measure that. Where, mm -hmm. where, it's an exec, where it's up to an executive's taste and opinion, that's when we lose. Because how do I download a guy in 20 minutes about our 500 years of history in America? How do mm -hmm. I download you about, you know, that we discovered America, that we've been here, we didn't just get it, we've been here for 500 years. You know, uh, we, we built this country just like black people and, and in a different way, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and we're oppressed and and we still contribute hugely to America. How do I do that in, in, in 20 minutes? You can't. And so unless the executives look like us, you, you, we're not going to see the progress that we deserve. And that's that's where I want the change to happen the most now is I want 20%. We're glad people are 20% of the population, almost 20% of the population. I want 20% of the executives. That's what I'm that's what I'm after now. I it's a good goal because it makes sense. It's a uh, it's just it's interesting because like sometimes you'll get a note on a script and you're like, ah, you just don't get it because you don't no. see the point of view that I'm trying to show no. you. And I could. And then like sometimes on set, you'll like say a joke and then <laughs> a white exec will be like, I don't quite get it. Can we get an alt on it? And it's like, no, I'll explain to you why it's funny. <laughs> and then it's just like you have to take time out of your day to do that. And then, and then when you explain a joke, you know it's no longer funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anytime you have to, you have to have a footnote to a joke, it's over. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, it's game over. I mean, look, look at Encanto. You look at Encanto, and you go, "Why did Encanto work? Because we had a Latin writer, a Latin director. Mm -hmm. Lin Manuel Miranda was was heading the whole spearheading the whole project. They did mad research, so it works because it's specific, insecure. Mm -hmm. Why did it work? Because she wrote it, and they let her do what she needed to do, and mm -hmm. they became, it was specific and real and and, and anybody could connect to that. And an interesting thing about the specificity is because, like, I watched Encanto and I was like, I love it. I don't see myself represented, but like, I love it. It's a it's yeah. a very accessible story, and it was effective. And that's like another thing. It's like just because it's like not people who look exactly like you doesn't mean that it's not going to resonate with everybody right, right, else. Right, right, right. Because look, we've been watching white stories forever, and we re yes. and it resonated with us. Yeah, and we we don't get it. We don't understand <laughs> yeah. the culture. I'm not but, mad but about we, it. <laughs> no, he did. It works the other way around too. It just does. Yeah. Um, okay. I also want to ask you about another movie that I love that you're in, Moulin Rouge, uh, another Baz Luhrmann joint. Uh, so, had you done musicals before? Because you sing in that, right? I do a little bit. Yes. Um, have you done like musical theater at all or singing? No, no. I got an amazing <laughs> voice, an incredible voice, but but I can't remember a melody or hit a pitch. 
But other than that, I have an amazing voice. <laughs> <laughs> an incredible singing voice. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Baz wanted me for the unconscious Argentinian, and I was like, unconscious? I don't want to be in a role that's unconscious. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. If I want to be unconscious, I'll stay home and drink all weekend. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I wanted uh, to lose a track, but he had offered it to Rowan Atkinson, so I had to prove to him in a four-hour audition in a hotel Four uh, hours. Yeah, I had to like prove that I could do like you know do my a British accent of some uh -huh. sort, and, and then then you know play it sort of comical and yet totally believable. And so it was quite difficult to prove it, but I did, and I got the part. Probably because Ron probably turned it down, but I got it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but a four-hour audition, damn, that's a marathon. Oh my god, yeah, I was I was like I had no boy, I was like I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Maybe I don't want the part anymore. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't want this. Uh, hour three, I'd be like, you know what? Give it to it. I'll go to sleep. I'll be <laughs> yeah, the unconscious yeah, Argentina. Yeah. Let me just sleep. <laughs> for real, okay. for real. Uh -huh. So, John, we've come to the end. Oh, wow. Already? Already. I'm so sorry. I ask <laughs> all of my guests this. Would you date me? Uh, let me ask my wife. <laughs> Honestly, good answer. Um <laughs> Is there anything that you want to promote? Yeah, the power. I love the power. The power. Uh, I'm a, a, this incredible series. It was a number one novel around the world, uh, speculative fiction. So, so basically, the short story is uh, girls through evolution develop this organ to protect them, uh, protect them from violence, protect them mm -hmm. from uh, agro men, uh, patriarchy, and and this organ comes at puberty. And it, and, it, and it becomes an electric charge. Some girls can control it to a static charge. Some girls can give out a nuclear blast. And mm -hmm. and people start getting afraid, especially men. So they start rounding them up and they escape and they start taking over the world and women take over the planet. Oh, that sounds, is, that's on Amazon? Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. I think we're on episode six this week. Okay. There's I think I'm going to get into it. That sounds very good. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. If you don't Ooh. love it, call me up and ask me for your money back. I'll give it back. <laughs> give me back my Amazon Prime money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole, here it is. You want it in Venmo or PayPal? John, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. I know you're very busy, so thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a blast. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Um, if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me, you can like it, you can rate it, you could, uh, I don't know, give me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever. But if you write me something nasty hitting on me, I will read it. Um, and you just send it to why won't you date me podcast at gmail.com. This nice person said, Nicole, I want someone to take you on the most romantic date where you joyfully talk about amazing shows you've, you've guest starred on together. I want him to take you home, pull out his huge cock, either on his own or one that he brought, and fuck you till he screams, I'm <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> Afterwards, he will propose to you because you have a fat ass and you will live happily ever after. Don't ask me why, but I think this will be uh, very good. So that is a nasty thing that somebody said. Wow, that's nasty. <laughs> but I'm glad you read it out loud. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, gotta read them out loud for the yeah, people yeah. to hear. All right, thank you, John. Bye-bye. So, peace. That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by... Oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solo-Taroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you.
love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. <laughs> This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs> <laughs>